Tonight, we get to talk about how loud silence can be with not one, but three scenes that have zero dialogue in a lingering, brilliant moment of one man's silent contemplation of choices made <laughs> and not made. <laughs> Welcome to Re-Engage, <laughs> a podcast dedicated to sci-fi classic the four of us loved when we were younger and we now re-engage with as a series one episode at a time and reconsider Star Trek from a new perspective. On this episode, we get two Picards. Welcome to Re-Engage, episode Time Squared. Eric, how you do? I am doing fantastic, my friend. Great intro for a great episode. I'm excited to talk to you three. Kate, Miss Kate. Oh, hello. Uh, I am so excited because, as you know, I love one me one Picard. So two Picards is just double the pleasure, double the fun. Greg, how about you? I how am you doing? too uh, excited for all of the Picards. Uh, this was Aaron just actually saw me watching this a few minutes ago. And she's like, wow, Picard, he's attractive. And I said, oh, you're a fan now. And then she left immediately right after that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are fans. Uh, and this episode aired uh, the week of April 3rd, 1989, which is star date 42686.4. <laughs> uh, Greg, why don't you tell us what was happening around that star date? Well, we've been pretty heavy on uh, major world events the last few weeks, talking about the Exxon Valdez and the Soviet Union breaking up. But I'm going to go into sports for this one. Uh, a lot of amazing things happened uh, on April 3rd. It was the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. Uh, Seton Hall beat, I'm sorry, Michigan beat Seton Hall in overtime by one point. Last second shot went in. They fouled him and uh, uh, it ended up being the Michigan uh, Wolverines' first NCAA championship. Wolverines! The Wolverines! <laughs> Uh, the next night, uh, two things happened. Uh, it was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's last NBA regular season game. Huge. Uh, he would announce his retirement after the finals, which they lost to the Detroit Pistons, uh, uh, being swept. Uh, but he, his last game happened, and it was at the Forum in L.A., but who do you think it was against? Mm. The Seattle Supersonics. That's it, Eric yes! Got it. Yeah, nice. context clues, motherfuckers. You figured it all out. Oh, and I forgot. There's also another connection to the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship that also took place in Seattle uh, at oh. the Kingdom. Um, and then finally, uh, New York Yankee pitcher Tommy John started. Uh, this was opening night. He played in 26 seasons, which was record at the time. It was later beaten by Nolan Ryan's 27 seasons. And he won his 287th win, uh, putting him on the all-time list as number 19, which he still is to this day. And who do you think they played? No, not the Seattle Mariners, but it was the <laughs> Minnesota Twins. Um, and uh, But of course, Tommy John is mostly known for Tommy John surgery, which is he was the first to undergo it as a pitcher. And it was basically ligament replacement surgery for Oof, the elbow. You put your butt in your leg. It's perfect. Yes. Uh, and then now it's super popular. Most pitchers, not most pitchers, many pitchers have it. I think the one stat I had was that one in seven pitchers in 2002 had undergone the Tommy John surgery. Yeah, at this point, there's even a, a long-standing argument among uh, people who are baseball fans and people who want to play the game as to whether people should have elective Tommy John surgery before they hit the majors. 
um, because in in some ways, uh, some stats say that it might even strengthen your arm. It, uh, it is so no surprise when someone says they're going to get it at this point. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, he's going to get Tommy John. He's going to be out for a year, but he's going to be even better. Yep. yep. All right. Thanks, Greg. Kate, what was going on uh, in the pop world? In the pop culture world, uh, one of my favorite songs of all time hit number one, Eternal Flame by the Bangles. Close your eyes, give me your hand, darling. Do you feel my heart beating? Do you understand? Do Do you feel the same? Am I only dreaming? Or is this burning an eternal flame? Oh, so good. Uh, I sing that song at karaoke all the time. And my uh, with a group of friends that every time I sing, say my name, they just yell, Kate! Kate! <laughs> uh, and it <laughs> makes me so happy. Uh, but that song has been um, near and dear to my heart since 1989. I think that song holds up. I'll fight you for it. Uh, an amazing song. Speaking of things holding up, um, in the movie world, Rain Man reclaimed the number one spot in its 16th week of release, hot off the tails of it winning Best Picture uh, the week before or two weeks before at the Academy Awards. So it uh, we, we see a re-entry of Rain Man into the top slot. Nice. On television, this blew my mind. On April 1st, Nickelodeon celebrated its 10th anniversary in 1989. I had no idea that it started in in 79 uh, and we didn't get it until you know the 90s so uh, that just sort of opened my mind to something brand new. Uh, You didn't get it till the 90s? Yeah well we didn't get advanced cable you know until. Sure but I mean so you missed like pinwheel that's the one that and, I remember. And some of the older yeah. uh, my, Nickelodeon My stuff. aunt had it, so I got to watch a lot of You Can't Do That on Television and, sure, and shit yeah, like yeah. that, which was very instrumental uh, to yeah, my yeah. sense of humor. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, we didn't get it properly until the 90s myself. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Pin-wheel, pin-wheel. You turned out great. Thank you. Around. Uh, all right. Thanks, Kate. Um, yeah, you got it. So we have this episode directed by Joseph L. Scanlon, who has loads of directing credits spanning several decades. Uh, some of my faves are seven episodes of Land of the Lost, uh, four episodes Yum. of TNG, seven episodes of The Outer Limits, A Quantum Leap, three uh, three episodes of The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., which uh, yeah. makes it into this podcast a lot, it seems. Uh, and La Femme Nikita. So this guy's got uh, some credit. And there's a whole bunch of others on there. Nighttime soap operas. I mean, he's all over the place. Uh, it was written by Maurice Hurley, uh, who did 30 episodes in total of TNG. That's both as a writer and then later as a producer. With the story given to us by a Kurt Michael Bensmiller. Uh, And not a lot about this guy on the IMDb page. Only two entries, one for this episode of TNG and for one episode of DS9, The Storyteller. Um, And did he do the screenplay for that one or was that story as well? uh, It was the teleplay for each one. Oh, fantastic. He contributed. Two two Star Trek teleplays? That's a a career. Um, All right. Before we uh, crack into any special notes, um, Eric, anything about these these actors, these guest stars we had on? Well, well, 
we had met everyone in the episode before, including the extras. Um, the only person listed as a guest star is, I believe, the character you referenced earlier of having a long moment uh, questioning himself and his choices. Uh, if I'm correct, that is the person who was listed as the guest star in the episode, and we'll get to that. Oh, I, I, I'm so happy you brought that up because I get to do one of my favorite uh, SNL skits or an interpretation Ooh. of it, and that's uh, the Newsweek where say, Wrong, sir! Oh, <laughs> damn it! <laughs> the answer is, of course, seven. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I will talk about the person who is listed as guest star at length because it's my favorite moment of the entire episode. Uh, okay, so when we get there, we'll talk about him. All right, so here are yeah. uh, some little side notes from uh, Larry Nemesik. Uh, the story was originally called Time... Uh, time to the second, and it was meant to be two um, connected but standalone episodes. The second episode being Q Who. Oh. Uh, and the big thread between them was the vortex uh, was brought on by Q. And um, Roddenberry didn't like that, so he nixed it. And Hurley had um, some strong words about that because he felt without Q in this episode, it made no sense how uh, why how the Enterprise escapes from the danger and how it just shows up. Uh, and but with Q there, it actually does completely make sense because he can just make things pop out of nowhere and really have no rhyme or reason. Um, and connecting really nicely to a couple episodes from now when we get to see him again. Um, and this was the first episode, or not the first one, but we do get a little a nod to the movie Star Trek Four with a slingshot theory of going back in time. Uh, and the shuttlecraft that was in there was supposed, I mean, the shuttle pod was supposed to be a shuttlecraft, uh, but they didn't have enough money, so they... They made it a shuttle pod. It went smaller. <laughs> um, Amazing. Uh, and it was actually named after uh, the same scientist from, uh, I think, Boston U that we had uh, brought up in a, a couple of episodes earlier. And, of course, uh, it's also the intro of Riker's fondness of cooking. And with that, we segue into the episode in scene one. Breakfast Club with Riker. Eric, <laughs> I worked in kitchens for 20 years and scenes like this drive me fucking crazy. I get hives. Okay, why? Tell us. <laughs> Give us some, uh, some hey, just shell about shock. Everything any of them talk about with regard to food is horse shit. It's at home cooking stuff that isn't actually based in the science of food or application of heat there too. Right. Um, it's the kind of shit that they talk about over wine. And then he pulls out a a actual little single one-use whisk to whisk his fucking egg for that <laughs> omelet. I'm like, you are insufferable, which man. He re- Use a fork. Which is not an omelet. He did make an omelet. It's not he an omelet scrambled either. Eggs. I mean, we're getting there. He made the driest, most disgusting scrambled egg shit. What I wrote down is that if he was any good with food, he wouldn't serve that shit. No. He would immediately see how that was turning out and go, nope. I fucked up. Let's just have more of that ale. Did he even right. taste it? Like he didn't even taste no, it. No, we didn't. There's no seasonings. Uh, they don't. I don't see nothing. any hot sauces. It's the no whitest, worst shit. <laughs> it was no see, that's no. the problem with replicated food. 
in the future you don't have fridge full of condiments and you can't just order it up because you don't know what you want. You need to be able to look into something and scan and be like, oh yes, today I want Chipotle. You can't just ask the computer to give you something because you're always going to be like, you know what, this is not what I wanted. The Klingons got it right. <laughs> Worf enjoyed this meal, though. He loved yes. it because it was oh, disgusting. Yeah. yeah, it's that same joke from yeah. uh, Friends where Joey's eating the trifle with the beef sautéed with uh, peas and carrots. <laughs> right. right. Delicious. Just classic vaudeville shit. Love it. I like that we get to learn a little bit more about Riker, though, uh, that he didn't know his, that, like, right. never knew his mother, that he was, you know, had a single father. Um, so we get sort of... You know, and maybe that uh, scrambled omelet flies with that dad, but, you know, not so much with Pulaski and her taste buds. Right. And what about Warp's line about women sharing in the cooking? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, really? That's where we still are? (laughs) 23rd century. But then uh, it's immediately followed by him scarfing down the eggs, which was hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, it works. (laughs) He can't stop putting the eggs uh, in his mouth. Uh, all right. And th- and that delicious is just <laughs> wonderfully underplayed. Yep. It's great. Perfect. Uh, okay. So then we go on to the bridge where Riker asks a bunch of questions uh, that the, suppo- the show is supposed to answer for. It's like, shut up, Riker. The plot will get there. Don't jump ahead <laughs> of the story. Uh, anything about this scene that hit you guys? That, that was all I took away was immediately asking Riker to please shut up. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a pretty bad co- ending of the cold open. Like, I think this might have been inserted in what you were talking mm. about with the uh, uh, changes to this script. I could tell me, well, what else can we talk about? Oh, well, we got one with Riker's dad coming up. Let's get some something in there. So it feels like it was quickly devised because what they had done at first, uh, there's not a lot of drama. They're like, all right, well, I guess we're going to go check out what this shuttle pod's all about. There's not supposed to be any ships <laughs> right. here. Like that's that wasn't a big hook for me, and then the credits roll. And, and it's frustrating because right after the credits, you see that it's not there. It's not even close to there. They're going at like warp three, and it takes them a long time to get there. So like, I sit here going, "Well, that's impressive shit." They find something that's about the size of a Volkswagen and go, <laughs> "Well, that's a couple light years away. Let's go see it." I'm I'm impressed. Yeah, I wouldn't have any transponder. No shit. Wouldn't I have any transponder? It's a transponder. <laughs> Transponders, yes. Transponders or something that would say like that this was their ship. Like, why did they have to see it? Uh, which we'll get to, Ooh, but like, good. why weren't they getting any signal? I guess because it was out of power. It would have been the negative. That's right. Of that transponder. It was That's out of power. Been, negative. It would have been the transponder number, but backwards. Yeah. So that brings us to the next scene. Uh, Picard asleep at the helm. Uh, we find <laughs> uh, a lazy Picard just dozing. In the shuttle pod, uh, I gotta say that I think the secondary tractor beam was pretty cool. Uh, that you know, not only the effect, but I just love the minutia of thinking of the world that once it comes in, there's another tractor beam. I thought a lot of the effects in this were a step way up in the series, yep. um, the visuals uh, in particular, but also I, I, for the first time, am noticing some of the sound effects that I uh, associate completely with the next generation like the sound of the the uh, bay doors opening 
that alarm that goes off there takes me right back to this series. I hear it and I'm going, oh, that's when the Enterprise's bay doors open. And uh, later on when Data is trying to hit the console and it's the sound that it makes when you hit a dead console on the Enterprise. And that always takes me back too. So the sound in this one yeah. between the music and the sound design was really terrific. Uh, nice engineering. And this scene in particular, I started thinking of Greg because it, er, there's several moments in the scene. I was like, this is absolutely some Star Trek acid trip shit. <laughs> it's supposed to be right <laughs> yeah and there's i mean i like uh, it's got to be i've never watched all 45 minutes so some of this has to be in there right i don't think it is actually i, I think this one is left alone uh right. even though i think that vortex i was wondering like oh that was a pretty cool effect as you said so i was wondering if they would have uh, uh uh put that in there um but yeah no this this whole episode does feel just more like a what would you do if the, your mind was messing with you uh, yes. uh type of situation so it does yeah. have that whole paranoia feel going on from the get-go as soon as you see uh picard, yeah. picard looking like he does and th the last thing i wrote as the scene was going out was picard frozen in the shuttle while on the bridge this is going to be a doozy like it just <laughs> set it up where it's going to get crazy uh and then we go into uh third person singular picard out of phase which uh <laughs> this is some great shit seeing patrick stewart see himself uh just trying to come to terms with what the hell am i doing there uh how did this impact you guys i mean where did you think it was going um do you remember seeing this scene specifically when you were younger i remember more when he actually does wake up but the moment he started to kind of wake up and the reaction of everybody in there started to really ring a bell i like that picard too i named them og picard and picard too <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but Picard 2 uh, is much more heavily makeuped than yeah. OG Picard. Uh, so you can tell some shit has happened. Right. So you can see that he's crazy in the mind. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, this, that, sorry, go ahead. This is the first time we're seeing all the camera tricks that are going to be in this episode, right? Like of like how you have both of them in the scene at the same time. And it's really well done. Like the, you don't really see the edges or how it's, how it's really uh, accomplished. You just are really believing this illusion really well with smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Well, and I, I feel like this was right around the time that they were developing the computerized uh, timer to pan that later on they were able to do with uh, tracking as well. But I think with this one, they were able to do the same pan later on in the uh, hallway with Picard both times and layer it over the way they kind of did in the Dr. Doolittle stuff years later. For sure. And then the scene ends with uh, other Picard, is how I noted him, <laughs> being carted off on a gurney, which looked uh, not so futuristic as uh, an unboring pallet jack. <laughs> 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 um, and then we're off to Troy's got a feeling. And as soon as she started, since I was like, oh, my God, she's going to go crazy. She she lives for this. There's two Picards. One of them's not in his right mind. The other one doesn't know how to deal with it. She's got to be going, like, just buzzing inside, like a thousand bees around a blueberry bush. <laughs> uh, so feelings. Uh, yeah, and, and we, we get the nice little quote that the black smudges must be uh, the, the reminiscent of antimatter explosion. Which I was like, <laughs> noted. It's good. I, I thought it was a smudge, but antimatter. Now I know the telltale sign. Sounds dangerous. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they zoom away at max speed, warp nine. 
with scanners at max range, which begs the question, why not always at max range? It's a, it's a, you're in a big backyard. It's, it's really good to know what's out there. Um, they should always be scanning. You're right. No, I thought that too. Like, and can they scan while being in warp? That also seems uh, like a new thing, right? You're not always looking around the whole time. Y'all are pulling in a right. lot of strings, and I don't think you like what's under that <laughs> layer of the sweater. It's true. <laughs> yes. So, uh, meanwhile, back at uh, Shuttle Bay, um, Jordy and Data decide to turn on the power, and immediately I wrote down. All right, you three. Who thought the turning on the power thing would be a bad thing? <laughs> I mean, you know. I think it's just such a perfect couple of clown characters working together the way C3PO and R2D2 do, or, you know, the way Trinculo and Stefano do. I have such joy watching these two get into shenanigans together. So it, it was at least smart that they had data sitting down at the controls. Right. First, he was going to eat the scrambled egg. He had he's ready to eat it, and now he's just putting himself right there in the line of danger. Uh, but I did love the techno babble. I thought it was uh, this was what I kind of loved about Star Trek at first was how they tried to explain science. Whereas in Star Wars, it was like magic. They didn't even bother to explain space travel or any of it. It was just magic or mitochondria, which was a lame attempt later at trying to go back but here there's some nice little techno babble it probably doesn't add up to anything but i loved hearing the inverted power stuff and things like oh yeah no that makes sense now i'm <laughs> totally this could go back in time now and jordy even <laughs> says the connection was idiot proof i don't understand why it's not working <laughs> you got to reverse the polarity yes uh, Yes. So this scene, and as well as the, the 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 medic scene to come, I just don't really understand. If you're in from the future, things go backwards. Is that what's happening? That so if you put negative polarity, yeah. I'm pulling at strings. I know. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're phasing because you're phased out of time. It's all there. Yeah, duh. Me and right? Pulaski. All... Pulaski can tell because she, she keeps taking the blood pressure every thirty seconds, <laughs> right. and it keeps changing in one direction. So she can say in fifteen minutes, based on these readings I've done, it's very impressive how she has figured out time lag. But yeah, it's <laughs> Pulaski. I want to talk about her. Uh, so now we go on to our next scene, which is uh, other Picard in repose. Um, and the restraint, good or bad or indifferent. So the restraint that uh, Picard has at first of, of evaluating this other Picard. I mean, do you, I I started getting a sense that Picard one beta or alpha Picard, the one that we were with, which is actually second Picard, uh, might've been like the bad guy. Like there was a, this moment where I was like, oh, he might be off, this guy who can talk. The one who can communicate might be the bad guy and the Ricard and Repose is the one that we should be pulling for and he's going to save the day. I mean, did you guys oh, get any kind of uh, a thing from the way Bacard was handling it? Well, he has no patience or or sympathy right. for himself. He's very self-hating in this episode because he is constantly wanting to wake him up and stimulate him. Land <laughs> game that weird, uh, you know, and just uh, it's okay because it's the same person. Uh, but you know, like he just had no regard, and and certainly later once he finds out that that Picard had abandoned ship, um, it sort of makes sense. But he has that kind of distrust and hostility 
right from the beginning, even though everyone around him is like, dude, this is you. Yeah, I I think the central metaphor, sorry, I just dropped this. I kind of feel like the central metaphor and theme of the episode is intended to be, you know, how much do we really know ourselves and mm. how, you know, that that kind of thing. And that's the mystery we're building towards. But I don't feel like it got the setup it needed to establish that that's kind of the theme we're dealing with in this episode. And like, honestly, I I am really angry that they changed the setup that Hurley had worked out. Like, I think it would have answered almost all of the problems I have with how this episode hit me this time. Yeah, right. uh, and the capriciousness with which the science seems to be treated. Having that cue consciousness would have really helped me. And I think uh, the whole... His, his he goes like through the checklist of of sci-fi tropes almost to be like it's an alien wait no is it a, is it an ai simulation you know he tries to be like it's got to be something that's not me like this is a trick uh and does not want to believe it's him because then if he does believe it's him it's because he fucked up and he yeah. doesn't know how and and that gets articulated uh later you know very handily by troy uh but like <laughs> you you see the 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 almost writers being trepidatious and being like oh well how are we gonna explain this away Right. And was there ever a moment for you guys where you had your own sidetrack tropes where you're like, you can't talk to yourself and do oh. not touch yourself, Picard. Oh, like it was a back You to are going to blow up the universe. Like legit. Yeah. All of those go through my head, you know, especially when the word antimatter came out earlier and they're talking about reverse shit and that never really comes right. back up. I'm like, okay. And what what I stuck with was whether or not this was a, like everything now is the many worlds stuff. Like all of the genre stuff is many worlds. And this one, it it goes back and forth with whether or not they were taking that approach to, to me while I'm watching it until the end where it turns out clearly they're not doing that. But like, I wonder if they made it today, if they would choose this version of the sci-fi trope mm. from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, or the stuff that started right after this, which made everything into multiverse stuff. Um, I'm I'm really curious about how that would have gone five years later. Right. And once Roddenberry's gone, I think we definitely would have had this tie-in to Q. Greg, what's up? I was just going to say at the end of this scene, I can actually see Picard trying to get back on track. Like he's definitely shaken by what's happening and even kind of quips at uh, 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 Pulaski to be like, you know, save it, bub. You know? Right. <laughs> I'm fine. And <laughs> he's like, uh, staff meeting in five minutes. Like all of a sudden, Troy's uh, an assistant, an executive assistant. <laughs> But at least he's, he's trying to be like, look, tell me what's happening. Let me know exactly what's going on. Give me all the information because right. I'm going to be on edge for you know, you the next stay. six hours. You'll feel him before anybody else can hear him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're off to the next scene, opposite day in the shuttle bay. And this is where uh, we really find out with Jordy and Data that things are opposite of what you would think they should be with the shuttlecraft and the power um, and so Jordy and Data decide to play opposites. Very sophomoric acting choice, if you ask me. But it works. Uh, they get uh, things going, uh, and it looks, it, you know, they, they get some some stuff. They, they learn some stuff, that is, uh, and that's that they're six hours ahead. Which I thought was kind of exciting. <laughs> it was like, yeah. oh, not 5,000, not 500, not 100 years, just six hours? That is, I thought, kind of a fresh take on the whole time travel is we're just dealing with six hours and that's enough to really cause a lot of fucking problems. Uh, what did you guys think about that? that the, the playing around with it and then this whole six hours of 
being in the past. So these are the other ones. Right. I love that it gives you an immediate sense of stakes, right? Because we've got a time clock uh, from Mm -hmm. that moment on that we know that like there's a countdown to the event and now we're going sort of backwards through, you know, how did we get to that that moment? Um, I think it's clever. I like it. It does feel like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off or something like that. We're like, oh, right. This episode takes place over the course of really just like three hours, right? From when they discover it to when uh, things start to go south uh, or six hours. But, you know, whatever. Somewhere in that in that <laughs> time zone. So I really enjoyed that. But I, uh, I, I, you, this is where the techno babble gets very, uh, I don't know, hard to say. But they these two pulled it off so well where it mm-hmm. never felt like they weren't believing what they were saying right. uh, to each other. And they get the communication. Even the fact of like, look at that star date. You know, then there's no cut to, so you don't get to see the star date kind of display, but you get his, uh, Jordy's reaction to seeing it. And I still don't understand how star dates work, but you know, they do, which <laughs> this is really the first time I've seen everyone be like, Hey, that's the star date. I know what time that is immediately. Uh, so at least we know that they understand it and that's, what's important. Uh, yeah. So, uh, after that wraps up, we go to a commercial break and we return from the break with a captain supplemental, uh, and it, uh, just hit me. You know, um, what are the rules for a supplemental log as opposed to a regular log? And are there consequences if you mislabel that log? (laughs) But it doesn't really matter because that's all six hours ago. But what did come to me is the fact that every time I hear or read the word supplemental, I hear it or read it in Jean-Luc Picard's voice and rhythms. It's just so distinctive. And that's what that word sounds like to me now in my head when I hear it. So taking your daily vitamins is always exciting for you because it's your supplementals. (laughs) Yes. Well, and then right after the supplemental, we get uh, a lot of tensions building, uh, a lot of questions mounting. What's happening in this scene? And really, I'm asking what's happening because that's all I wrote. (laughs) And I don't remember... Is this, the, is this the conference room scene? I think it is. Yes. With Picard. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Which I love. Jordy immediately says, okay, well, if we know that, that three hours from, because at this point they're like three hours from now, something bad's going to happen. Uh, so uh, Jordy says, let's stop. And they immediately decide unilaterally, Riker says, no, it's too late. We've committed to a sequence of events. And everyone goes, yep. And they just charge right. forward right. without any sort of, it's just like, no, we've already, that train is in motion. We can't do it. And that's kind of what I was thinking with that is this is still stuck in the back to the future uh, time travel uh, area where there's only one possible way. So if they do pick up the card, then they have to get into a position where they can pick up the card. Ah. Whereas now... Uh, we would do the multiverse thing and Jordy would say, well, we stop. And then, you know, maybe the the things, the the worlds would uh, bifurcate there and we'll all be fine, including the new captain who will just grow up in our dimension now, <laughs> you know. Right. Or making the left turn or whatever they're talking about doing is the thing that they need to do. So it doesn't matter. They should just choose to do nothing. Right. Because they'll... that's what Riker's saying. Like, whatever we do is the right thing to do that we'll eventually find captain again. Right. But doesn't Jordy um, have a little bit of argument there? He he says something about so you're saying we just we shouldn't do anything. We can't stop. We can't do anything but just keep going. That's our only choice. Uh, and he loses that because they keep going. 
<laughs> at warp nine. Well, I mean, they all they all say they all just kind of agree that if we do turn left, that's what'll take us there. So we might as well just go straight, because uh, you know, if we turn right, that'll take us there. Whatever will take us there will take us there. So we might as well go straight. Did anybody else like start to be like, man, yes. this magic eye video is hurting my, my brain. <laughs> I couldn't put the two images that they were watching together or look at it. You didn't have your it. 3D glasses? <laughs> I should have worn my 3D glasses. Uh, and then the hearing Picard's voice was very disturbing for Picard. Yes, it sounded like Lacutus. Yeah. I did. That was super cool. Uh, and then there's a one moment too where Picard says yes to Worf about you. Worf says you would never abandon the ship and the way McCard says it uh made me think of Lord Jim the the book about you know the captain who abandoned his ship like it was not at all convincing for me the way Picard said yes <laughs> <laughs> like he because already the, knew it was like in my mind I'm already gone <laughs> I really need people to to hold their collars away from themselves while they do those reactions <laughs> uh, I have to I have to pay special note to this section that has lived in my brain now for over 20 years where Worf talks about the theory of the Mobius where time becomes a loop. Uh, there was a, a band, a techno band in the 90s called, uh, what were they called? Orbital, uh, that uh, had a song. Uh, the number one, the first track was Time Becomes a Loop. And it's Worf saying that thing. And then they take the audio from it and they split it and it goes apart where time becomes a loop, where time becomes a loop, where time becomes a loop, where time becomes a time becomes time becomes a loop. And then it comes back together at after a minute and 45. And we listened to that shit like it was the Beatles when I was uh, in, in, in high school. We awesome. lived for that track. Uh, but the moment it happened, I shot my arms up in the air and got very excited. I didn't remember much about this episode except for that moment. It's so cool. It's a great moment. You shared that song. And I was I was waiting for an actual song to start. I was like, yeah, no, this, this is just going to be the intro. Never. It, yeah. The beat's going to drop any moment. And then it just never dropped. <laughs> it just but it probably never did. does. DJs probably used that and then did their own stuff. Yes. Like it was just a track to be used in, right. in the house. That's what they say. Mixed it in. Uh, so the meeting is adjourned with a big, well, let's do our best. <laughs> Hopefully we don't die. Someone says something to the effect of somewhere out there, something will happen. <laughs> like that is as clear as they get during that part. Right. That's like their inspirational posters, like the one from last week, which was like, well, this is just another example of our, you know, our choices meaning nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's some scary stuff, right? I mean, they they know the Enterprise is going to explode, um, and they they just do not know how to save themselves. They don't know the what they don't even know how they're in danger. Just that they're in danger. This is the kind of situation that the boomers who grew up with the nuclear shit mm. wrote for us Gen Xers to grow up with. So that we would have more anxiety than they did. <laughs> Somehow. <Right>. It worked. <laughs> it did. <laughs> 13 watching this going, well, we're all going to die. We got so cynical. Figure it as out. As a generation. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next scene is the first of uh, the three scenes that I brought up in the, the opening. And this is Tension on the Bridge. It's a very short scene with zero dialogue. 
uh, just some furtive looks in very dramatic music. And it tells a lot. Uh, it really, really puts um, sort of the eye, the dots of the eyes and crosses the T's from the last scene of we are all freaked out. Um, how did this guy's impact you? I love it. It's it's Agatha Christie, right? Mm. It's what's coming. What's next? Well, and everyone's very suspicious of each other because I think it's still that like we don't know what the precipitating event is going to be. Mm. Is it you? Are you yeah. the reason that this is going to go south? Because there's just a lot of like yeah. side glances and and silence and no, yeah, that's who fucks good. up. I did yeah. pick that up right away, but there were some looks like that's a curious look. And now that you say that, it's totally uh, it was suspicion. Yeah, and I and I thought the director used uh, horror movie suspense movie uh, techniques here, maybe to fill time, maybe because stuff needed to be cut. As, as you were saying, but like it, a little bit is just like, well, let's make it make it good. And instead of having to fill it up with dialogue, they just used it to do this visual storytelling. And the, it's a it's a motive. It really works. It makes me feel tense looking at it because I had all those same questions that you guys had of like, what's who's who's going to be the person that that makes the wrong move here? And uh, I felt it, and I felt them the, the, the later scenes too. The music is wonderful music. too. Like it, it doesn't intrude. It just lifts, and it's it's great throughout this whole episode. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then we're off to other Picard again, and a very fun scene with some great dialogue thrown out of time. So this is where we get the Pulaski explanation of what is happening to other Picard, and I had to watch this three, three times in <laughs> just to get this language into my head and try to understand the whole thing about his body clock and as he moves closer, he's getting back to normal. Uh, what did you guys think about that in particular? Just the explanation and uh, her delivery. It reminded me of every episode of Ancient Aliens where they start off making reasonable <laughs> statements that connect to each other. Like, you know, she says, this guy's rhythms are just a little right. bit off, but they're similar. And we go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then she goes... And I can see that they're changing in this measurable way. And we all go, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And then she says, and within this many hours, I think we're going to see a real result. And we go, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. And then she goes, and he's just going to be perfect. And I know that this is going to happen and this and this and this. And we all go, well, there's conjecture there somewhere, right? <laughs> like this is not a normal series of conclusions you have drawn. Yeah, but nice beginning because you suckered me right in. <laughs> all good cult leaders do it Pulaski uh, but yeah Picard immediately is like what are you talking about there's gonna be two of us and she's like yes that's my theory and he's like well, I, I reject that theory yeah well there's already two of them so <laughs> point proven on that that side uh, but I loved uh, that explanation not because it made sense I had to listen to it three times just to know that she wasn't speaking another language uh, but going back in time however that affects the body if it does at all and sort of i love that idea of as you get back to the moment you left you get some equilibrium and while you're not there you can't take advantage of the fact that you actually went back in time which to me is a nice sort of um uh, balancing to like sure you can go back in time you're not gonna be able to do anything because you'll be so whacked out uh and until you get back to where from where you left i mean that's just a nice conundrum. 
Mm. It's like you've got the bends. Like you can't, you have to like, you have to get acclimated to what's happening here too. But the the part about this scene that that bugs me, and it was in the previous scene too, maybe uh, where Pulaski gives him uh, what she thinks is going to wake him up. Right. uh, But it actually makes him, depresses his system. And then she's like, all right, well, if I do the opposite, like in the shuttle thing, like then that'll work. That doesn't make any sense. Bizarro. It it does, because when I take NyQuil, it makes me hyper. So... Boom. Wow. Proven. Is there a version of you from the future that if you if you drink caffeine, you go night nights? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. You're so right. lucky. I stand corrected. <laughs> you have the street value of this Safeway? <laughs> <laughs> I could go to sleep for three days. <laughs> Eric, what were you going to say about that? I do not remember, but I but I want to. What were what were we talking about right before Greg? Uh, had, what, what were we talking about before? You we had were talking about um, how I liked the explanation of when you go back, you're jumbled, and as you get closer, you're. Oh yes, um, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I think it's really cool, but I, I didn't get into the books of Connie Willis until I was in my 40s. But do you guys know her? No. She's a sci-fi writer who specializes a lot in time travel. That's one of the things she's super duper into. And uh, she has a series of books that, that deals with um, a, a historian group that goes back and studies areas. And there are various places you cannot get a historian to because uh, if anything happens in those areas, a lot of shit changes. So like mm. nobody can get within 200 miles or 20 days of the Battle of Waterloo, like hmm. uh, little, little things like that. And they call it uh, and, and when they send someone back depending on how far they sent them, how, and, and things like that. Um, they have what's called time lag, which is this thing that you guys are talking about. That's like the bends for time travel. And you, you are useless for a long time. So they, they look in the historical record for places where they know people won't be for a series of hours, days, whatever, until you recover yourself enough to go do your mission. It's really interesting. Mm, sounds like Loki may have borrowed from uh, some of that. Maybe. I mean, I, I do highly recommend Connie Willis, everybody. She's just an incredible sci-fi writer. Uh, great. Connie Willis. I have it written down. Uh, okay, so we have a jumbled emotions are too much for Troy. She's freaking out over what's happening with other Picard uh, and can't really take it. Uh, other Picard really wants to go, and then we have some huge dramatical swell uh, to take us out of this scene and into the next one. Uh, rendezvous with ourselves. Troy is very concerned about something. She doesn't know. We don't know. Well, but at the end of the scene is Pulaski basically saying, mm. we're going to need to take, I'm, gonna, I, I'm ready to take command. Right. Like, I'm going to relieve Picard of his command because he's not doing okay. And Troy is super salty about that, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so, because I have the two Picards talking, um, and that's where I really got the sense of Picard. Maybe he's uh, a bad guy. The, the 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 Picard that can talk, like he was just so aggressive and really kind of. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this is the scene where he says, "You know, this one. There's nothing about him that reminds me of me." Uh, yeah. Like very uh, defensive. Yeah, and then Troy's explanation of what's happening with other Picard. I thought it was interesting because it it was very poetic, but I was curious, like how does her psychic ability really allow her to know that he's has a feeling of standing across a chasm and looking into a void? Like it's very, uh, you know, it's, it's it's nice 
imagery, but uh, is that really her ability? Because that's a pretty strong one. Or is that just them taking license with the moment? Uh, and I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know if they made it clear if she was really telling what's going on in his mind, and it was her abilities that allowed her to know this is what he's experiencing. Because that's not a feeling. We don't know if she's trained in psychiatry really at all. Uh, but yeah, that way, I think th I think it makes sense. I mean, this is what he's he's seeing a mistake, right? And how many times have you, you know, screwed up in your life and be like, oh, man, I wish I could go back in time and tell myself, like, you know, what did you do? Why did you do that? Why did you make that decision? I think this is the embodiment of Picard doing that, just being like, why are you so fat? And I'll beat the shit out of him. You know, like he's trying to, like, really just get like, you know, how you can beat up yourself. That's what he's doing in this scene. Are you, are you talking about talking Picard or talking Picard? Yeah, because her explanation about the chasm is of other Picard. Other Picard. Right? Oh, see, I thought I did. I didn't interpret it that way. I thought he was. I thought she was talking about the Picard who's in charge of the ship. She she has two great moments. The first one, she's she stands up for uh, Picard two or the 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 laying down Picard. Yes, uh, sort of stands up for him against talking Picard saying, you know, it's this chasm and he can't, he has no idea what's happening. You know, you got to lay low on him. And then when talking Picard leaves yeah. and Pulaski's like, we got to, we got to take command away. Then she stands up for our Picard, right? And says, you don't understand what's happening with him there. And it gives sort of a similar explanation, but, um, but different. <laughs> right yeah i mean and this is I, mean, I, I didn't know if they did this just to make us hate Pulaski even more but her pulling this i can i can pull him from command cards like really you can i mean it, the protocol itself seems very flawed that one person can pull a captain's from duty because you could easily abuse that right i mean Feels like there should be a quorum. There, ha there would have to be a quorum of other people agreeing. Like, yeah, he is going crazy, but you can't just do it. I mean, you're kind of a bitch. I think it's one person simply because uh, a quorum never, never works, never does it. Well, and Pulaski <laughs> you know, can do it for medical reasons. If, like that's if it, the thing. Exactly. Like if if a quorum was going to do anything, we'd have seen it in the last few years. It's like it doesn't exist. No, that's true. <clears throat> the the people don't bond together to get rid of their boss who treats them well. Uh, you know. Yeah, and Troy immediately exactly was like, "No, that's not happening. I don't think that's going to yeah, happen." Right. And, you're, and who did you say she was salty? She definitely has a salty Super walk salty. out the oh, door. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I put Troy's gonna tell on you. <laughs> the way she walked, I was like, mm, "We're going a lot of going right a lot to of people are." A lot of people are walking out of that room with attitude yes. today. Uh, so Troy storms out of there and it brings us to no dialogue. Scene two. Uh, Picard stands staring at the unknown very near to the present. So he knows it's about to happen, but he doesn't know what is about to happen and nothing is said. And it's fantastic. <laughs> this one felt more to me like a filler. Like I, I get it, and I, and mm. and and it's effective. But this one, I was like, oh, they had some extra time, so <laughs> let's have a nice wide shot. I will say that I mean it's neat hearing that that was the case for all of these. But what I kept writing down over and over was like, I'm so impressed at how much silence is in this episode. Like I, I loved it every time it happened. It didn't even occur to me that they were doing filler, and of course they are. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but right. I love it. 
Yeah. Silence makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah but it's it an uncomfortable show. Tension. It totally yeah. does. I just love that we got to see when this scene, you're talking about the one that's like the big top down uh, yeah. thing where you see Picard walk into the shuttle bay. You get very clearly the very friendly lettering written on the bottom of this floor that says, stand clear of the tractor beam. <laughs> don't want to get zoomed up into there buddy uh so that's where all the, the budget went i think they couldn't do the pod but they could at least you know get some stencils <laughs> <laughs> all right so after our uh our seed of silence we have a little persian flaw uh which is a line that Riker drops in this scene and they're debating the hows and whys what, you know, how could they have gotten into this situation? What's the time travel implications? What can they do? Um, yeah, Greg. I also just love that this scene name or you know calls out events from previous episodes, like the Traveler from you know from yep. uh, uh, the fifth episode of this whole series, uh, and the Mannheim effect, and how that was you know not going to be uh, part of it. And I feel like I really like to see, and maybe this was Maurice Hurley's kind of influence here of trying to create this uh entire world that had a story that was was progressing which uh, uh again makes me just love this series even more i like that riker's uh advice is do the things go against your instincts yeah. basically like you are a man of of reason and uh i'm gonna find the problem i'm gonna chase down what the what's at the root of it and i'm gonna suss that out and and destroy it and what they're facing is time, he says, not a tangible thing. So we have to go against sort of what you're railing against nothing right now, because there's nothing to rail against until we know what to rail against. Ooh, ooh, that felt deep. A lot of fantastic dialogue here. And what impacted me the most at the end of the scene was like, nothing was discovered. They mm. did a lot of talking, but they didn't come close to having an idea of what to do. And there was 14 minutes left in the episode at this point. And wow. I was like, oh man, so much more is going to happen. Uh, and I had to actually go look up a Persian flaw. I didn't know what the, the reference was. Uh, and it's, Me too, but you say what it is. Yes, and it's, um, it, it means a, 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 a purposeful mistake uh, to exhibit um, impermanence in that uh, humanity is flawed and you can find beauty in imperfection. Mm. Also ironic that uh, in the Persian world, there's actually no reference to this sort of thing. It's an entirely a Western <laughs> uh, uh, made up thing. So I do. I, this thing doesn't give any information for what's happening, but I, what I like about it is it's, it's, it's Riker seeing his friend and boss uh, yep. tilting, right? Like he sees that it's that he's about to do something and I'm trying yes. to just give him, he's like very jovial in this scene, which is Riker Weird. can sometimes be like that, but right. he's very smiley and be like, we're here with you. We're here to support you. Maybe don't do the thing that you're really, really good at this time because maybe that's it. And I think he's just killing time trying to yeah. give uh, Picard to get him in the right headspace. And I just loved it as a, I mean, it's just a great exec uh, officer kind of move for him to do here. No, and I agree. And I didn't dislike the scene because it didn't reveal anything. It was just, it It seemed, it for me, it added a little tension. It's like, holy cow, there's 14 minutes right. left. And you haven't, you haven't learned very much. <laughs> uh, and I was like, this is exciting because it means a, a lot's going to happen after the break. 
Right. Uh, okay. So then um, after the Persian flaw, we have red alert energy vortex or space tornado. Uh, and <laughs> this was one of those other special effects that was pretty cool. I mean, I didn't like the bottom, but that top part where it was the, the, the white was going in being sucked in. I thought that was a really nice effect. I agree with you, Jimmy, as always. <laughs> it reminds me of those those pictures you see sometimes of a, a reservoir having a circular uh, outtake. Uh, so then you ha- you see this big circular hole in a in a lake. That's what it looked like, and it did totally. look really good. Uh, you know, and these effects are awesome, but they are digitally remastered. Uh, so we, we always oh, keep. Okay. This is not exactly probably what it looked like back in the day. This is. I got to bring out my VHS tape. Oh, yeah, because right. I would love to see the comparison, Eric. Because I bet it did not look as good. Did look as good. You're right. Uh, okay, so then we find cool. out pretty quick that this vortex is like a tractor beam, but much more powerful. Uh, didn't read the tr- warning. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's a learning whirlpool. Yes. Troy lets us know there's a consciousness here. Not thought, but instinct. Which, again, now knowing Makes that sense. this was supposed to be Q, it was like, that is perfectly Q. Like he's just instinct. He just reacts uh, and justifies afterwards. Um, and it just made me wonder, like after all the stuff we had, not all the stuff, the few things we had learned up to this point, like why not just start doing the opposite? You want to try to warp out of here? Maybe go backwards. <laughs> maybe use it rem- impulse. It reminded me of one of my uh, favorite U2 songs, Running to Stand Still, where it's all about like you have to do all of the opposites of what you think you have to do because they have to put it in warp just to avoid getting sucked inside. And there's all of this like energy expanded just to keep balanced. Um, But then they push it to the max. And as we know, the ship can't handle it. She just can't. It's going to break apart. I can't do it. What I like is that right here, when uh, Picard says, you know, let's let's take a couple steps back, that would be the prudent move. Then he says, I never thought I would hear myself say that. And I got to tell you, if I'm serving on a starship and my captain is embarrassed to have done the prudent thing, <laughs> I am terrified for the rest of my tour. <laughs> never thought I would do a prudent thing as the captain of a starship. He's second-guessing himself. He really is. He is? Yeah. He is? I, I took it as being because he's the explorer. So he's like, here I am here I am choosing oh, not yeah. to explore. I never thought I'd, I'd say that, but it does seem like that's I just, the prudent move. And he's even second-guessing saying that as he's doing it. thousand percent. I just took it the way I would if I were Ensign uh, What's-His-Name at the fucking hell. <laughs> I'd be like, yes, thank you. Do the prudent, prudent thing. Yes. <laughs> I would like to live. That sounds great to me. Uh, yeah, it does sounds great to me. And what I loved about you know, the, sort of this scene too, it tied into the the one we just talked about, the Persian flaw. Um, there's, you know, the plot is written so that we as an audience aren't ahead of the crew. And that's not always the case. A lot of times right. we know, like, oh, just hit number two. Uh, and this one, we're just as clueless as them, which really helps with the tension. Because then, like I said, you're like, there's 14 minutes. Where do you, you got to figure something out. Like it, it, it made me feel like them where it's like, there's two hours. We don't know anymore. Uh, so I love that they, they did found a way to not let us get ahead of, of the rest of the, the, the actual actors. Um, so after we go from there, we are on to uh, other Picard awakens. Uh, we have another great tense moment here. 
Don't forget about the burst of energy. Oh, the energy yes, the energy that, bursts. That that just uh, was just fun to watch uh, Picard be ragdolled yes. around. Slamming into the puxy glass walls. Yes. <laughs> it reminded me a little bit of Jordy's uh, elevator <laughs> shenanigans from... <Yeah. laughs> like, you could try leaving the bridge, which is the only place you've been hit by those things. Like... I get that we think it's going to hit you in other places, but you can leave the bridge and see if they can track you with that. That would thing. be prudent. <laughs> and now <laughs> it makes even more sense that it's focusing on Picard if it's supposed to be Q who's zapping him here. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, he's the brain of the ship. <laughs> oh, that'd make me hot too if I heard it. That was Ensign What's-His-Name. <laughs> uh, and then, So there's a great moment when uh, Picard goes to sickbay. He's with Pulaski. Picard has an idea. We don't know. Is Pulaski going to pull something? Is she going to pull her I can, you know, sideline you card? And uh, Picard has an idea of what to do with other Picard as he comes, uh, gains consciousness. And I love that she asks him, do you know if this will work? And he just immediately says, no. Do you know what you're doing? No. No. (laughs) Do it anyway. Just out there with all the confidence of you're not stopping shit, lady. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> going forward and there's that great moment like greg had mentioned earlier with how they did the the doubles where other picard exits and there's like this nice kind of arc as uh our picard exits uh through the doors um i mean did did you guys have anything about this scene with pulaski i mean i i was going right back to day one of i really don't like her I know it's so hard. I I'm trying so hard to look at her through fresh eyes, and occasionally it works, and then and then more often than not, I'm like, oh right, I hated her <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't think she's wrong here, though. I mean, if you see you know the evidence of what you see in front of you, and she's only getting a smaller view of what he's reacting to uh, in sick bay, you know, I think she was right to. To at least bring it up and then having Troy be like, no, I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe, you know, maybe she's, you know, she doesn't bring that up again. Right. So I think she was just making her concerns be known, which is not terrible. I mean, that's what you yeah. want a doctor to do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty, right. pretty quick. Yeah, it was pretty quick. First, he was acting attention weird. from him. was like, I might have to pull your card. I mean, you're <laughs> acting a little weird. Stop defending the ancient astronaut theorists. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Picard and other Picard head off to the shuttle bay where Picard stuns himself. Wait, wait. The guest star. The episode's only mentioned guest star <laughs> is Chief Miles O'Brien. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> who has an amazing couple of scenes in this, starting right here. And when, when, his two captains rush by in a big state of distress. And I don't think he stuns him. I don't I think, think he, he stuns flat him either. Out kills him. I thought he flat out too. killed him too, but he says he was stunned later. And then obviously. Did, uh, did he? Yeah. The captain That's is That's a stunned. stupid line of dialogue. Yeah. I missed it. And it seemed clear to me too. that Miles. I thought so dead. too. And then Miles, we, we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. Because yeah. Uh, yeah, right. So we well, first of all, we get that walk and talk scene with the uh, with the two Picards, yes. which is done very well, and also mm-hmm. calling out the uh, the the <laughs> hydro lift. I keep wanting to say the turbo <laughs> lift, the energizer lift. Uh, that scene Walk-a-mater. where the two Picards are talking to each other, and he's one of them is pacing, 
and the other one follows the eye line very well except for like one turn i'm like mm, he's looking a little bit too far in one direction um but other than that i thought Fucking that was hack. so super done and then right then they end up in these you know the the thing and he keeps asking what to do differently and this is another moment where i'm like this is not is it a time loop because didn't shouldn't that be you going in the thing is this supposed to be the same and maybe that's why he's so disoriented is this supposed to be the same guy that he's the only one that loops and he just sees the same thing happen every single time well, i don't think it's a time loop i think this is the first time yeah he's, it's just the second time yeah, they've gone he's through just it. come back so so then why was what then what how did this person how did this picard get the new other information that other picard is interrogating him for before he he shoots him he's starting to be like what do you what what was your other choice why that's why he doesn't have the information that's what he's asking what was your other choice i have no idea what you did what why did you do what you did whatever that is you so left. if they had why? the same circumstances but i can't let you do it right now yeah i don't know the, the logic of this really didn't make any sense other than i will shoot him and it will stop it right right and it would have made perfect sense if it was cute right i mean it really <laughs> does solve it because if it was cute yeah, you're it like does. it doesn't have to add up because right. he can just make things happen. He's just torturing them. Right. Like it's he's hell, just, uh, which is also mentioned a couple of times in this. Right. Um, and then it, it, I thought that he did kill him. I was like, wow, that's that's a big deal. But why would he have? He didn't need to. Stunning him is the same thing. All he had to do was stop him. So he stuns him. And then and then he's, uh, you know, later on, we see what happens to that Picard uh, being. There's a line that says he stunned him. Yeah, he's stunned in the the shuttle bay. Well, that pisses me I off. I thought he I'm killed him. I'm looking at I I I I'm gonna have to watch that again because I missed it. that completely. So my, I completely missed it, and I like it a lot better with. Or maybe me maybe too. I didn't. Maybe it's not in there. Maybe it's in Larry Nemesic. Maybe it's uh, in his um, plot recap. Is where I might have okay. got it from. So my my interpretation of the silent scene when Colmini comes back in. And he's he's not okay with what happened. He's no, like, this is he's not, not okay. okay. He he's also the only one who knows it happened, except for Pulaski, because Pulaski comes in and does her little tricorder thing, and she gives like a little. And she gives the uh uh-uh, uh. He's gone. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was like. I interpreted it to be like he's dead, and O'Brien is like pouring one out. He's like fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what Eric wrote for me. It's like uh, we got O'Brien pouring one out for Picard. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and I totally got it from uh, Nemesis' uh, plot recap. He says um, uh, Picard stops himself with a phaser stun, and then mm. of course we mm. see that they vanish. So I don't know that it, there's a definitive thing either way, because I mean you could logically argue that he wouldn't have killed him. It was the the phaser stun was enough. Wait, he's an opposite day, so a stun kills. There it is. Boom. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Boom. No, that's, uh, Bizarro stun. <laughs> but he had caught up with himself. So does opposite day then go away? Oh, God. These know. are all things we have to <laughs> crack up with. <laughs> uh, in any case, uh, Picard in the pod vanish. They just disappear. After they decide that they must go forward. Go through mm-hmm. the center. And this was, you know, what Hurley really had some problems with. It's like, how does that solve the problem if it's not cute? Clearly, he's never gotten his head stuck in a fence. You got to go through. It's the only way to go out. You got to go all the way through the fence. Right. Uh, so they do go through. Um, and then we are in the conference room with a moment between Picard and Riker. And I'm curious what you guys took from this. Uh, I thought it was a lovely moment, but I thought Riker's 
response to Picard's experience seemed insensitive. Like he had a little smirk that I that I interpreted as a smirk. Um, and not that he was making fun of him or thinking he was weak. It was just like it was a weird choice for reacting to the way the other actor was behaving in the moment. Right. I I think often when actors, especially television actors, don't really know what to do, they just smile. Podcast. That's what do we're all doing right now. <laughs> we're just smi- we're just grinning at each other. I I I put this back to the the previous scene that we talked a lot about with Riker and Picard. Like I feel like he knew that his uh, uh, advice worked, and he's smirking because he's like, "See, I got you through this, Picard. You're my boy, and I know you're not mm-hmm. necessarily feeling okay right now, but we got mm-hmm. you." Yeah, I accept that. All right, uh, and I love the mo- I love that um, Picard doesn't turn around in this scene. Mm. He stays focused out. He lets Riker do his talking. He has a couple of lines to him, but he doesn't ever turn because he's, and this was my character lost in contemplation. He just, because at this point, I was still like, he killed himself, I thought. Like he did shoot and kill himself. And he's just, he's, he can't stop thinking about that, that he just killed himself. Not for malicious reasons, but all that stuff, you know, that you'll do for yourself, the choices that you made, what he didn't do as the other Picard, like, I love that moment. Uh, and it was the sole reason why I couldn't think of anything funny or quippy to come up with with the cold open. I, uh, I it was like, I, I got to talk about that moment mm. uh, because it resonated with me. And I thought about it all night and into the next today uh, before we came in to record was him staring mm. um, out and just thinking about his own choices. And uh, I don't know how many times I've been caught staring out the kitchen window, uh, you know, just eating chips at 1130 p.m. One of my girls comes in and is like, "Uh, what are you thinking about? Like, I can't say that time I shot myself in the shuttle. Uh, It really left something with me. Uh, So. Not necessarily that scene. It, I don't know that that had an impact for everybody. That last moment, though. That, that I mean, the whole last scene with Riker as we're we're being sent off in this episode. What are what are your thoughts about that? This is the only thing that really felt to me like a little bit of a filler. I I think it would have been fine to to not have a scene that wraps this up more than having him look out the window having someone come in and go are you okay and he go yeah i'll be in here and like okay i'll be on the bridge right like that's all you need in that scene i felt like they had to force a like quip at the end where picard you know like well they always say that you know you travel long enough you'll meet yourself and i don't want to do it again like that they had to find that sort of hook to end on that's interesting because um, I didn't see it as a quip. I took that as a, a sorrowful thing. Like he was earnest that, um, and I'm re- now I'm reading into it on the afterthought. But the the way he handled meeting himself was also regretful. You know, like right. I don't want to. I, I handled it poorly, and I don't want to be in the position of doing that again. Like I, I, it's interesting that you took it as a quip, and I, I totally was like, oh, it it, it was earnest. I mean, it is. I I agree with both of you because it does. It does. It it is a powerful moment, and it does feel like Riker is trying to take the piss out of this powerful moment. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe maybe with good intentions. 
uh, and even maybe even Picard himself is trying to do that by trying to joke his way out of it. But it's also a bit of a dismissal too, being like, you know, leave me be. I'm gonna have my moment uh, here uh, and just stare out at this starfield uh, for forever and ever. Amen. Um, but uh, I I love uh, that it ended in a more quiet moment, just like the ones that are the strength of this episode, actually. Yeah. All right. Well. Going around the dial, uh, Eric, what did you think about this episode? What do you give it? I give it seven and a half Miles O'Briens who have seen too much. <laughs> <laughs> I really love this episode. It is confusing as hell. I had to rewind a bunch of stuff and look a bunch of other stuff up. But if I had not done so, I still would have enjoyed it and just had to shrug my shoulders and go, hey, I'm not a physicist. It's fine. Whatever the fuck they're doing makes sense to them. Cool. I particularly loved that they showed the kind of philosophical discussion that Riker and Picard had about how to get out of this rather than the nuts and bolts discussion that, you know, Jordy and Data were having at the same time, which was certainly more likely to yield fruit. This was more likely to yield some of the some of the character development they were trying to get. And I thought it was interesting. Yeah, great. Uh, I am going to give it 6,000 yard stairs. Uh, <laughs> it is a lot of emotive acting in this uh, that I enjoyed along with the music uh, uh, doing a lot of work here. Um, the plot holes just do bug me. Uh, I started to think too much during when I was watching that to be like, why, why is it negative? Why is this happening? You know, I liked where we ended up on some of that stuff with the bends and, and, and all that, but uh you know, it just it didn't really feel like a complete episode, uh, but I liked all the suspense and the acting in it, uh, especially from uh, uh, Patrick Stewart here. Um, so, yeah, it was above average episode, but uh, I, I really now this is becoming a trend in season two. I want to see the original screenplay kind of made and how that would have been. Mm. Kate, what about you? Uh, I'm going to give it six and a half plates of terrible scrambled eggs that are not omelets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I have a love for this episode and I, I'm with Greg in terms of there's a, a lot upon this rewatching that I was like, hold the phone. Um, <laughs> but when I'm able to sort of turn that part of my brain off, uh, the the moments of silence and the, the acting opportunities and, and just, you know, two Picards, come on. I, how could yeah. I not love it? Uh, so, yeah, I give it I give it the gross eggs. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to give it seven and a half racist Persian flaws. Uh, I love that uh, the plot finally didn't get ahead of itself for us as the audience, that we were right there with the crew uh, feeling that tension. Um, I love some of that babble that doesn't add up, but man, do they try to explain sci-fi. That's the whole, you know, it's fiction. It doesn't have to be real it doesn't have to be something that can be proven uh that would make it science faction so um it, 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 give them license i give it to them for at least trying um and i had a blast not knowing what the hell was going on until uh the final moments and i agree that um had we had hurley's interpretation of this or his original intent that um this could have been one of the classic episodes of star trek that we put up there on the mount rushmore um 
it fell short of that because of it not adding up at the end. But uh, this is a definite watch. If you're um, only going to pick a handful, this may be in the mix of one of the ones that uh, I would recommend. But uh, I've had two Georgetown Warchilds, and I am about <laughs> to wet myself. So <laughs> happy Star Trek Day, everybody. We hope Yay! that you enjoyed it, uh, and we hope you spent it with us. Thanks for joining our Cultural Bridge officers for this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we are continuing the mission with another episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. We want to hear from you, our listeners. If you've got questions or observations, Halen frequencies are open. Email letsreengage at gmail.com or you can follow Reengage on Instagram and Twitter at reengagetng to get updates on episode drops and all kinds of fun Star Trek things. But you can follow Kate Yeager at Yeagerlicious on Twitter and Instagram. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on the gram. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Reengage is edited and mixed by Krista Curry at Krista from Glee on Twitter and Krista.Curry on Instagram. Logo artwork by MojoJojo97 on Twitter or Mojo97.com. Theme music is by the incomparable Ryan Marth. Thanks for listening. Stand by for Riker's Beard to re-engage. <laughs>